On this episode of Playtime, I speak with ex-Solas violinist Winifred Huron. Her latest project is an ensemble piece called Reverie Road. I spend the hour with Winifred and play select tracks off their album, The Gap of Dreams. I'm your host, W.C. Turk. emotive and eternal about the violin breathe the fiddle. The BBC's Howard Goodall said in his Story of Music series on YouTube that not so long ago music was aware was a rare and feeble whisper in a world of silence, adding people could go weeks without hearing any music at all. In the days before music was recorded, a person might go their entire lifetime and only hear their favorite symphony four or five times, he says. I contend, however, and I suspect my guest, Winifred Haran, might agree that music was a regular and integral feature throughout our history and is, in fact, integral to our storytelling culture and heritage. I further argue that the first human language was rhythmic and perhaps musical. Certainly, the first existing literature 5,000 years ago was poetic and probably sung. Winifred Huron has been blessed with a long and storied musical career. Many in this, in this audience will know her best from the Celtic supergroup Solas. She is back as part of a quartet called Reverie Road, a beautiful and timeless collection of Irish folk, Parisian, Southern European, and Romani-influenced music spirited by members Winifred Huron and Katie Grennan, Raga and jazz pianist, Utsav Lal, and accordion player, John Williams. Welcome to the show. It's such an honor to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's it's a delight. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I kind of went off on, on a little bit of a historical tangent there, but I, I should let people know that, uh, that you and the band will also be performing in Chicago on February 8th at the Myron Sold uh, music and Dance Hall at the Old Town School of Folk Music, right here in my neighborhood, uh, 4545 yeah. North Lincoln Avenue. Uh, the websites are uh, revereroadmusic.com and winharan.net. You, you have to excuse me a little bit. I'm just getting over COVID. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's okay. No, no. This is, um, this is, this is a, a perfect cure. Great. Well, I'm glad you're getting over COVID. That's <laughs> good news these days. Uh, second time I've had it. Oh no. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry. Well, yeah, it's yeah. luck of the draw, I guess. 
Hey, we've got uh, we've got at least one friend in common, uh, James Conway, I, I, a local engineer, and one of your bandmates, by the way. Uh, John Williams played on a few tracks for the Logical Flaw um, album that was uh, produced by a dear friend of mine, uh, Ethan Taylor Sellers. Okay. But Ethan, uh, so Ethan Taylor Sellers uh, was on the show a while back uh, after catching Solas Live uh, a number of years ago with his dad and was inspired to master the genre uh, after, after watching you and listening to you um, and put out a really beautiful album, which, uh, as I said, um, John played a, uh, on a few tracks. Oh, well, good. Yeah, John's amazing. I'm sure he only added beauty to the project. Yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful project, as is Reverie Road. So let me ask you, but before we get into the album, because uh, I've got a lot of thoughts on, on the music, let me ask you about my introduction and Howard Goodall's comments. First, I think we did not invent music, right? But rather codified the textures, the rhythms and melodies from nature into a uniquely human and communal language. Would you um would you agree with that or Yeah, I I I don't I don't tend to um you know get very academic with my analysis mm-hmm. of yeah the existence of music or its um worth to the to the to humanity um i really don't i i I tend not to try to analyze it too much um i truly believe that it's a necessary it's a necessity for Mm -hmm. us especially these days um, as humans to communicate um i think we we've molded it in a way that that's what it is these days it's communication it always has been about communication Mm -hmm. uh, like you um mentioned in your intro there yeah so so basically there's there's an arrogance to goodall's assertion that misses the universal appeal in in my opinion uh, of the troubadours and the indigenous communal work songs uh, of our ancient most ancestors so what what led me to this this line of thinking was I heard a recent interview in which you talked about the sea and and you described textures and movement and and an emotion that's all wrapped up in a perception by you of of the sea, a, a musical perception. And I think that comes through really strongly in your music oh Uh, thank you larry thank you so much for that i appreciate that you know going back to your intro there like i was saying to you i tend even though i was educated you know in in a in a conservatory yeah um like i i tend to shy away from over analyzing music's value yeah to humanity, like I just stated before. I mean, I, I truly believe it's the most beautiful and most passionate way and the most universal way, the most accessible way that we have as humans to yeah. communicate um, art in general, but music especially. So, I mean, we can talk about like what, you know, what what I think the value of music in life is. First it would be mm-hmm. connection, right? Community. Connection. 
sharing. Um, And to me, like, I think the value of it in the sharing is being able to share our vulnerabilities and our, our very essence of, of like, we, we tend to shy away from, um, sharing our vulnerabilities or our our fragilities, mm-hmm. if that's a word, because I don't know, because of judgment and shaming and all that, or or labeling. Um, but I truly believe that you know music has always been for me a source of comfort. Yeah, there's a there's a a, a true emotional connection that transcends words, um, and and there's a synchronicity that happens between the brain of of a a musician uh or in the brains of a band and the brains of of an audience and that that is pure emotion absolutely and it i think it has to exist and i think it's very telling it's Mm -hmm. only truth it really is only truth Mm -hmm. about how an artist um, conveys his or her message, their message to the audience or the listener. Yeah. It, it really should be about speaking whatever truth um, you feel like you can share about our, you know, shared existence. Yeah. Now that's getting pretty, I think that's getting a little, you know. Esoteric? Yeah, esoteric. It's, yeah. I, I, I don't think anyone any listener should ever feel like there are um there should be end results or like you know obviously we can talk about you know what what like what what value does music have in our society like what value does it have like breast tax like it's it's entertaining there's entertainment value Mm -hmm. but you as a you as a composer actually feed that that through the choice of the chord and and the the tempo and and the melody that's all deliberate yeah often and and so you're you're actually driving that that emotional connection yeah you know it's well it's 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 very individual to yeah. each artist every single human on this planet has a completely different experience even though it's all we're sharing this journey Mm -hmm. we have completely different experiences some that we can relate to and some we can't and you know i mean music like art and music they're like i all well i feel like it's 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 they're basic human functions really yeah you know i don't think i don't think humanity can function without the arts right and I'm including music in that for sure, the arts. Yeah. And, and and then music and art can't function without humanity. That's where we're pulling all of our um, creative, the creative force. in a your your father was very uh very nurturing as far as 
the arts and music, right? Yeah, my dad was really a huge influence on my, well, on my life, mm-hmm. but especially on my music. Um, he was a really great musician. Um, he played jazz trumpet. He played piano. Um, he was a writer. He was a brilliant writer. He was um, some. He was a, an amazing carpenter and a boat builder. He was kind of like a Renaissance man. He wasn't uh. kind of like a Renaissance man. He was a Renaissance man. Um, and he emigrated. He came over to New York in the late 50s. It's a longer story, though, than we have time for on this interview, but it's a very amazing story of of him and my mom seeking out a better life here in the United States for their children. So we were all born here, and, um, you know, he, they, he and mom gave us everything that they could afford to give us. And when I say that, I don't mean, like, material things or things that he didn't consider of very much value most Mm -hmm. valuable things that he thought that he should give his children were education experience the arts music dance a a knowledge of nature a connection to nature (laughs) all of that comes out in in i know it comes out in my music and you exceeded those expectations i'm sure with my dad (laughs) oh my dad was hard to please but really oh god yeah he was very hard to please he was um he was a i guess in some ways he was a perfectionist and mm-hmm. he only wanted the best so yeah he he was a driving force he was a he was a tough disciplinarian myself and my dad like for many years were like oil and water cuz i was very rebellious <laughs> he was a he was sort of an authoritarian figure mm-hmm. i knew what he was i realize now what he was trying to do in the moment when I was a teenager and and like rebelling so hard yeah. and thinking that I was doing my best and like I was doing really well, but he always wanted more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the more the more he demanded and the more he expected, the more I rebelled, you know, and and uh, that's also of great value to my life and my music mm-hmm. because it taught me it taught me to fight authoritarianism <laughs> if you really want to get down uh-huh. to it and uh you know it, I'm, I'm finding that we should always try to learn from our parents our elders our grandparents mm-hmm. people who have come before us um whether they're teaching us telling us stories teaching us songs trying to teach you just us have to forge your own path yeah, yeah. absolutely Absolutely. And you feel a little bit more armed. Yeah. I feel more armed with the good stuff. I'm armed with, I'm armed with a passion for music and art. I'm armed with a collective understanding through my fellow humans who get it, Mm -hmm. who get it and feel it and need that connection. I can't for the life of me, I can't imagine going through this life without music.
So fast forward, you come together with these four musicians in Reverie Road. How did the four of you come together? Well, we all have connections. Uh Before Reverie Road became an entity, we all had connections. Yeah. Um, Obviously, myself and John Williams, Mm -hmm. we were founding members of Sullis together. Yeah. John was based out there, grew up, was born and raised out there in Chicago. Um, and John was a founding member of Sullis with me. So we go back many, many years. And I just have to say that that's like such a beautiful part of Reverie Road for me is like reconnecting and being able to um, reconnect with him at, at, on a human level, but also on a musical level. Um, it's been an amazing reconnection and just one that I'm so grateful for. And then Katie Grennan, the other fiddle player, wow. there's myself on the fiddle and then Katie Grennan, Katie and John are married um, now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Katie and I were working together a lot online during the COVID lockdown and the COVID pandemic. Right. We were uh, just working, creating, um, teaching possibilities. We we um, created a an online fiddle camp for two of the lockdown years, um, fiddle, fiddle students uh, from all over the world, really, because that, everything was on the computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, had two very successful years of working with students from around the globe, really. Yeah. Um, when, when COVID, when we were starting to come out of COVID and the lockdown and everything was starting to ease, Katie and I just said, wow, it really, it would be so great to continue to work together. To meet. Well, yeah, we had met, but like not. Right, right. We obviously got to know each other really, really well during COVID over the computer. And then Utsaf Lal and I had been playing together as a duet um, for a couple of years. I met Utsaf. He was a student at the New England Conservatory where I met him. Um, He was in my class like for two years. He's exceptional. Ensemble class. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. And Utsaf is from New Delhi, India, originally. Mm. born in India and but spent uh his formative years um growing up in Ireland in Dublin just outside of Dublin and um he's really well versed in uh traditional Irish music and just Celtic music in general but he brings to the band such a colorful palette um through his Indian raga Indian classical music his jazz um expertise all of it Yeah, so the four of us just decided to combine forces. John and Katie were in Chicago. Utsaf um, lives in New York. I was I'm in New York taking care of my mom who has dementia. My dad passed away during COVID, yeah. so I was in New York. So it made it made sense. We were like, let's just combine these forces. And Utsaf and I had recorded some demos, some tracks together, and we sent them to John and Katie, saying, "Hey, look, we have the start." Yeah. of an album take a listen to some of this stuff and see what you think and let's see if we can um 
rein it in or work on it and create more together. And so that's really how it started. It was very organic and very, you know, let's so, just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. What what was the, what was the 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 shared musical vision? Because it there I, I hear a lot of influences in in the music, and so I, I'm I'm just I, I guess I'm wondering um, what was that what was that those first those first conversations like about the direction that you wanted to take this um, and not necessarily um, completely centered around Celtic music, right? Yeah, for sure. But again, so that's a really good point. Uh, but it's something I feel that like, it, it it's like you already have the vision in your head. Yeah. And just being very knowledgeable and aware of John's musical um, capabilities, his, his contribution to Irish traditional music over the years and other types of music, um, working and knowing where Utsaf's background comes from, knowing what kind of players they are, Katie, knowing her experience as a, as a, as a fiddle player and as a dancer, as a classically trained fiddle player. And she played with Kelly. Yours, yours as well. You, you have a, have a really broad range. Right. And so that's what I'm getting to is like all of the band members. Yeah. All four of us come from very eclectic, um, diverse backgrounds. Right. And so it, we didn't even really have to talk about direction. Like, I, I know that all of us were imagining it in our heads. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't this discussion of like, oh, we're going to go in this direction. It's like Utsaf brought to the table what Utsaf would bring to the table. And that was purely Utsaf, like all of Utsaf. Myself, John, Katie did the same thing. Like, so you feed off each other's input and yeah. and and creativity and i mean i love french continental french music i, I love french accordion cafe music yeah i yeah. Always, always have so does john mm -hmm. and so that was really important to me and to john that we had that flavor um and it wasn't for the sake of having that flavor that that the love and the passion for that the essence of that music is really powerful. And I think it's reflected in like a lot of the recordings that we've done in the past. I mean, I brought in some French type tunes to solace. So, and John was really great at bringing in like varied mm -hmm. material. It wasn't always just traditional Irish tunes. Like we would seek out whatever caught our ear, whatever turned us on um, yeah. And, and kind of spoke to us musically. And that goes for Katie and Utsaf as well. So yeah, it wasn't a planned, let's make this departure and like not sound completely traditionally Irish. It's just, it's who we are kind well, of. Well, it comes together really seamlessly. And I was really struck by the broader musical themes that you explored. Um, first of all, you explored in your first album um, with these Romany textures that I found in songs like Miss You. Thank you. 
and even some of the themes you explored with Mick McCauley, um, like A Daisy in December, this stunning, sorrowful outpouring, but it's blended so perfectly in, in Reverie Road. and um you're going back there now like miss you is off like i think that's off one of my solo albums if i'm not mistaken yeah it was and, yeah i can't remember what one but then and then daisy in first december one. huh the first one oh, the first one yeah so and then daisy in december that was off myself and Mick's first uh sort of duet trio collaboration yep. after many years of working in solos together um and again um those particular pieces that you mentioned there, mm -hmm. they would have really, I'd be really sort of emotionally connected to how I was feeling and when I was writing, well, when I was composing and writing Daisy in December, I was literally composing how I was feeling. I, I think you're only being true to yourself if that's the case as a writer, but even collecting material and playing other people's material, like I gravitate, towards things that speak to me emotionally and make me feel a certain way yeah or or challenge me to check in with feelings maybe i haven't checked in with in a long time right so this this goes back to the whole idea of communicating yeah. um it truly is about that mm -hmm. for me and for the rest of the band for every road like i feel like we have like we just did a couple of gigs this past weekend live mm -hmm. shows and that was really such an important part of how we approached and approach the live shows is like, well, if it feels good and it feels like we're truth tellers mm -hmm. without words, <laughs> then it's working, you know? And if we get really good feedback from the audience after a show where they say, God, it made me feel like I was back home when I was a kid, or it made me think of my first wife, or it made me think whatever, whether it's sad or joyful or a painful experience, then then, as artists, that's that's the bar. Then then you're 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 doing your job, right? Yeah, yeah. And so even for recorded projects like the new Reverie Road album, I feel like it's a really emotional collection of yeah. tunes and arrangements. And um, I just want to so I just want to underscore that that base that you bring to this um even from the first uh solace album uh and i'm thinking of of crested hens which is grounded in celtic folk uh but i also found this balkan sort of lament and i'm i'm very sensitive to the balkans i spent 20 almost 25 years going in and out of the balkans and my wife wow. is from sarajevo and oh, awesome. um but but i i found that and I also heard a lot of those themes in Reverie Road, 
and it becomes this really expansive European textured celebration. Am mm-hmm. I am I seeing too much into that or no, you're not at all. I I think as I was saying and as we were talking, like it it's never I don't think it is. I mean, in some cases, yeah, you make choices, mm-hmm. um, but it's not purely intentional. You're you're literally just playing your yeah, you're playing your passions. And so I know that if I hear a project that John has played on, I can immediately identify John's playing because I'm 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 gravitate I gravitate I'm gravitated towards it. Is that right? Or I gravitate towards or it speaks to me. Mm-hmm. He has a really amazing sense of harmonics and harmonies and mm-hmm. his 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 bass line and his chordal choices are so much more European flavored than like your yeah. typical Irish accordion player that yeah. might not even use the might not even chord along, might not even use the bass yeah. hand. Yeah. Or it might just be very linear. And a lot of the times it is that very linear, um, with melody only. And John John's sense of chords and his chordal structures and his understanding of chords and what he hears really resonates with me because it does have that sort of continental European flavor. So natural to the instrumentation. You mean in Reverie Road? Just in general, just the, you know, just the, the sound and, and how, how you come to those instruments. um, Right. Does it lend itself to that deeper European sound? I I think it's more the influence and the essence and the passions of the musicians. Okay. Because you, you could you could like you could you could throw together a fiddle, a box, a piano, two fiddles, a box, and a piano, yeah. and it would sound completely different. Sure. Obviously, completely yeah. different yeah. to every road, and I think so. That is it's almost like that's our stamp on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's purely because of the individuals, the collective, sum of its parts. Yeah. Right. That yeah. just makes sense to me. Like, so if I wasn't in Reverie road, maybe it wouldn't sound a certain way. Yeah. I know it wouldn't sound a certain way. If yeah. John wasn't in Reverie road, it wouldn't sound that way. If, if you took Katie or Utsoff out of it, oh, oh my God, it would, it would sound completely different. Yeah. That's it has to me, it has nothing to do with the, well, not nothing to do, but less to do with the instrumentation and more to do with, with the artists. people's yeah. yeah, people's passions and and uh willingness to expose their wear their hearts on their sleeve. And mm-hmm. I, I always go back to this sharing and being open to sharing their vulnerabilities. I think you can hear vulnerability in music. And so- that that is really accessible for a lot of people. They can hang on to that, right? Mm-hmm. Or they want to, because I know when I'm listening to music, my favorite music, I don't want all of the answers there. I don't want it in my face. Like here's, do you know, I want I want to have to search and ask questions about, well, what are they trying to convey? Um, it seems they're trying to convey this. Mm-hmm. Might, it might not be what, but, it's 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 a mystery but if it can evoke feelings and not an academic anal- analysis mm-hmm. then it's it's fine like if 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 it can make the hair stand up on my arm then that's good <laughs> i love that i love that um yeah. so 
I listen to to a lot of music. My wife is there along with me listening uh-huh. to it. And we, we so she had this interesting observation the other day about Reverie Road. She found a powerful feminine voice in the violins. It jumped right out at her. Much more so, she's much more sensitive to, to that than I am. And then she also noted the masculine under the undertone or, or even counterpoint um, of the piano and and the accordion. She identified the fiddle or violin players as women and the accordion and piano players uh, as men, uh, which I found really really fascinating and i'd i'd love maybe a little bit of an exploration about that juxtaposition or that that counterpoint between the masculine and the feminine here huh wow that's really interesting question especially these days yeah um i tend and i never have even as i'm playing and and working my way through life yeah let's let's just put it like this like i i i have a lot of joy in celebrating my womanhood and my femininity mm-hmm. but it never it never comes into play i don't even think gender um at all when i'm playing music i think it's genderless right i, I i'll tell you one thing i i well, maybe I think, that motivation is kind of organic uh what do you mean or it, it that so so that those female or those feminine sensibilities um, or sensitivities or mm-hmm. perspectives are uh, are endemic to to the person and and it comes out through the music. Huh, that's really interesting. I, I, I'm just curious whether your that's wife awesome. did your wife just pick that up or come to that conclusion herself without seeing, who the members were like absolutely she- absolutely she knew nothing about the band except for the music that's interesting well that's really interesting I, I don't know what to say about it i mean everyone hears things differently um i would have to think about this i mean like i said i i i celebrate my i celebrate being a woman um mm-hmm. katie does as well um i'm not gonna i mean i i here's here's a little funny tidbit because I, I going down the male female like like it like it music has always been genderless to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it really has, and so this is a hard one. But here, I'll give you a little example. I remember someone told me once, or it was it was I was doing an interview, and someone one of the, or maybe it was a workshop. It was a panel of some sort, mm-hmm. and someone said to me that they didn't know I was a woman they when they were listening to me on recording they said wow like you and they were trying to compliment me um and this is a while back but they said you play like a man I I laughed because I didn't know if that was like the best compliment ever in my life or if it was the worst compliment ever in my life (laughs) um because I it never even register to me that 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 that's how someone would interpret just because I'm strong and really I have a lot of strength and I'm pretty powerful player like physically 
or were they were they confusing the confidence of of your playing with with a masculine feature yeah probably but i mean i don't i don't have any time for that you know what i mean yeah. i mean i i am who i am yeah um, yeah this like i have i have more of a problem with oh i don't i have more of a problem with trying to attach or 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 assign um any any emotion or feelings or the essence of anything coming out of my fiddle yeah like it i, I really have a problem with like no I, i'm i'm really proud of standing up there as a woman and and kicking mm -hmm. butt like mm -hmm. my male counterparts do i mean mm -hmm. and you know i can honestly say in solace i had great experience with that because i was the lone you know female instrumentalist yeah yeah. Um, that honestly never even really crossed my mind until I get asked questions about it. Like in the moment, I was just playing a hundred percent my best. You know, I'll explain. No, it and in some way. cases, in some cases, way more powerful than some of the men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if if truth be told, um, I I sometimes felt like I was carrying the gig, you know. But that's a um, that's a confidence in in your artistic ability and your your artistic intuition right yeah it's a confidence in that but it's also a it's also a rebellious attitude against patriarchal society yeah <laughs> i i mean i'm confident in what i do but i'm also i'm i'm, I'm a huge feminist i'm mm -hmm. i i i told you about my dad like i from an early age was rebelling against authoritarianism and it just so happens that my dad was my dad was a male and so yeah. you know I had to learn early that you, if you're good enough, you you know, you, there's a point when you have to stop trying to prove it to whoever is, you know? So yeah, this, this goes, this opens up like a whole barrel of worms that, oh. yeah, it's a way more broader conversation, especially but, these days where there's so much, like, there's so much talk about you know inclusivity and especially mm -hmm. music it should always be that way right mm -hmm. and the arts like um i i think it's um counterproductive to negate the 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 perspective and the personality of of the individual artist oh well yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely but like so I, I'll, I'll explain it this way um many years ago I was working with an art dealer. Let me ask you something before you continue. I just want to ask you something. I wonder if you've ever asked or brought this up with like a, a male, you know, instrumentalist or musician. I'm curious, like, have you ever brought this up or like what what was their response to that? Like, did they have to? No, I. so I, I like brought maybe up have with, to defend with their masculinity of, coming through in their playing yeah. as opposed to like you know i, I yeah it's well what were you going to say anyway do you, you oh, know I, where i'm i was going to say that that i brought up with with male musicians uh the vulnerability and the sensitivity aspect yeah. of that with regards to their masculinity but i i also feel that it's important to to understand maybe more the the perspective of of women artists because they're so 
often underrepresented. Well, yes. In their, in their, in their opinions, their talent, and their perspective. Yes, but that's changing. Yes. It's changing way too slowly. Yes. I, I, my, the biggest thing that I, one of the biggest things that I worry about and fret about and am, am devastated about thinking about is the course of human history and how much we have lost by not giving females, women, artists, writers, Indeed. politicians, thinkers, the attention that they deserved. And yeah. that maybe if we had listened to them, like I'm gonna go right out here and say this, we would be in a much better place than we are right now in this, in this place called, in this place we call earth. Um, so yeah, I. <laughs> I just, uh, and, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. I just finished a manuscript that I, that I wrote and researched over the last 10 years called uh, The History of Light for the Artist. Uh, mm -hmm. in which in which I argue the ascension of the female perspective and how and how e e even statistically if if you if you weigh that by negating the female voice, you're mm -hmm. negating half of the population mm -hmm. and and women were uh, were left out of uh, everything everything. Yeah, writing yeah. they were they were renaissance renaissance artists uh they were they were relegated to to back rooms or to anonymity for mm -hmm. centuries absolutely and in, what did we lose day. in that perspective what did we lose well that's the great tragedy we lost yeah. Yeah. we lost half yeah we lost half and probably more and yeah. you know Look, I, I I really feel so strongly about my um, femininity and mm -hmm. the divine goddess in me that I, like this journey that I'm on, I don't feel the need to, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I don't. I want, I want people to hear my music and, yeah. and, and, and that, no, 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 I'm not saying that to you. I'm just saying. No, no, I. As a female artist, I think we're getting we're getting pretty tired of having to like explain ourselves and how mm -hmm. our femininity factors into. And I'm not getting defensive with you. I'm just really speaking from my heart yeah. and my soul yeah. that we as we as women are getting really tired of having to come up with answers to explain our brilliance. Mm -hmm. And I'm not putting myself in that. I'm just saying for my, the women in my life and, and people, I, women I look up to in, in past history, present, and, and the younger generation coming out right now, coming up right now, I don't want the younger generation of girls to have to explain anything to anybody Yeah. about anything, anything. And, you know, honestly, there will come a point where when, when our voices don't get challenged or cut off, we will we will supersede we will take over mm -hmm. and and it's high time it's high time that uh, that our voices were heard in politics science music yeah it's time and like so it flusters me to have to 
and I know with you, I'm not having, I, don't get me wrong, Larry. I, I don't feel like I'm having to defend it, but it, 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 I am curious, like what a male musician would have answered to that. Well, uh, uh, honestly, uh, and yeah. your point, male musicians aren't often challenged about their gender or their gender, oh. gender perspective. No, um, well, and males in general, like let's, let's go. because masculinity is such a ubiquitous part of our culture. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're not challenged musically in any way or in the music business, and they're not challenged anywhere. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, so that that's a huge gap still except that has to be. except when they're very vulnerable. And so, you know, I I I look to those moments. And and I, I I'm personally affected by it in as much as I'm emotionally moved by music. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there there could be it could be just be a moment in a song that will uh there'll be a moment in a song that will bring me to tears. Yes. This this sublime upwelling of emotion. Mm -hmm. I'm very sensitive to 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 those vulnerable places that right. Put themselves in, and so then I want to explore that across the board. Like it, that's human, though. Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's human. That's a that's a human reaction to the gift that is music. Mm -hmm. Human reaction. I don't. I never look at it as a male female reaction. I yeah. think if if we stopped doing that, there'd be so much less, so much less to have to deal with. You know, I, I agree. Uh, one of those songs, by the way, was M is real. You know, oh, you reflect uh, you. You flex your Irish muscles. Um, mm -hmm. It's a great up tempo song. It sort of has and and I'm subject to imagery and music, but it sort of has the feel of the sea with notes washing over one another with the fiddles, with those deep underlying notes. Mm -hmm. uh, those masculine notes uh, or deep green tones and and I'm I, I, I would just love uh, how that song came together that's a really fun track that's uh two um recently co composed uh well in in the last 20 30 years recently composed irish style tunes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we just thought that they were like meaty and they had a lot of life in them yeah. and we wanted to have an upbeat track that featured obviously featured the the the, the dual fiddle sound yeah um, and then the arrangement on that is really fun because everyone gets to speak and say their piece, 
you know, there's an, a moment on the second tune where John on the accordion gets to have a solo moment, you know, and yeah, so the, it, it, that's just a real meaty, lively yeah. uh, set of tunes, Emma's reels, yeah. But so is so so are songs like um, Calico Set. Uh, oh, the Calico Set, that's awesome set, I love that which set. It has these wonderfully subdued grace notes, um, but then it it just crescendos into this eruption of of emotion and sound. Mm -hmm. set that first tune we, we slowed it down yeah. um it, that's a traditional irish reel tear the calico and we slowed it down and we kind of did a little bit of an arrangement with it we play around with that for a while and then um a quirky little break into two faster reels that i composed that the last two tunes on that it's kind of um bombastic almost the the those two last tunes um original tunes and yeah, we kind of let loose there. So it is uh yeah, it's a great song. You know, yeah, thanks. And there's there's it, it's aggressive and it's um I guess bombastic is the wrong word. It's aggressive and it's in your face. And I kind of like that because a lot of the other a lot some of the other tracks are like very almost discreet and like pulled back and sort of like, you know, tender and like rocks fun. Oh yeah, Roxabon. Oh God, that features Utsaf on piano. That, yeah. We felt it was really important for for Utsaf to have a moment, a bigger moment than just being perceived or heard as the accompanist. Yeah. Because that's totally not what he is. I mean, he can do it really well, but he he is he is he needs to be heard on a melody level as well. But. I sort of saw it as the deepest song, um, this thoughtful, solitary waltz. 
Yeah, so the the Rocks of Bonn you're talking about, the Rocks of Bonn is like a classic, classic, traditional, old traditional Irish air and yeah. song. Um, and it's very heavy and intense um, in its uh, message. And so we figured an instrumental version. Woodstock mm -hmm. really loved that tune, uh, that air. And so we let him rip, let him just have at it. And then he recorded a couple of versions in the studio that were so powerful. And again, each one was so different depending on how he was feeling at the time, but still like classic Utsaf. And then he wanted a string pad, string arrangement mm -hmm. behind the um, version, behind his melody and his interpretation. And so I put down some string parts and yeah, that's that track, The Rocks of Bond. It's one of my favorite tracks on the album. I mean, all of the tracks are favorites of mine but that one in particular yeah it's a, it's a beautifully beautifully produced album uh my thank you um is uh well, my current favorite is this eternal parisian uh with hints of romany and balkan notes uh is indifference I, i'd love oh that. yeah <laughs> that 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 gives that shines the light on John on John Williams yeah. and his his musical sensibilities the essence of his musicality and also his technique I mean he's just he's really he's really just the best out there and yep. um, his interpretation or reinterpretation inter interpretation of that classic mm -hmm. is a moment on the album for me also yeah, no, it's a it's a gorgeous, sumptuous song. I, I I'm just, uh, I, mm -hmm. it's, it's it's on my favorites list. So, oh, thank you. I could go on with you for hours. Oh, uh, let me finish this way. Did you pick the violin, or did did the violin pick you? Oh, both. Yeah. It, yeah, it was calling to me, and and I was calling to it. Um, because my father gave us everything. Like I said, he gave us piano lessons. He gave us yeah. flute lessons. He gave us singing lessons. He gave us dancing lessons. And at some stage I said, I, I would like to try to play the violin. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's a couple of violins lying around in the house. I mean, he had, we had everything, we had everything at our fingertips in that regard. Um, if it was, if it was going to help us create, it was at our fingertips here. And so he fixed up one of the violins for me and I started playing as like a seven or eight year old. And then I really just loved it. it I felt like it was so different to all of the other instruments that I was hearing that there was something really special about its voice. There's and the a wonderful train of consciousness in in the violin and, and the accordion as well. Um, mm -hmm. that I think lends itself perfectly to the genre that you find yourself in. There's this continuance of sound. 
uh, yeah. as opposed to the, the 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 interrupted sounds of of a piano or a guitar, mm -hmm. right? Right. Well, yeah. The it's like I like to think of that as like the liquid factor. Yes. Yes. Like, it's, it's really it, yeah it's really liquid and um as opposed to like some of the detached um techniques that you can get off like guitar hammer the hammers on the piano yeah even though Utsaf can make his sound like an ocean and a river yeah um, the violin's voice definitely has has much more of a liquid feel to it mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, you can you can make the violin sound pretty detached and pretty staccato and all that as well. But um, in general, I think it, the voice of the violin is just always kind of like liquid and soaring. I love that. I love that description. Um, mm. Last question: uh, huh? Is this a one-time collaboration, or can we can we expect to hear more from Reverie Road in the future? Oh, you can expect to hear more from us in the future. It's 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 more than a one-time collaboration. I mean, like I said, there was there were no intentions of what it would be, and I don't know if that is truth for most musicians who start putting stuff together. Mm -hmm. You just kind of like feel off of each other that like I knew it was going to be a good mix and a good project and and a a really beautiful journey. Yeah. And and it has been so far and it continues to be. And I'd say we'll probably record another album, but we haven't even toured this one yet. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're starting, we just started our tour, our winter spring tour last weekend here on the East coast. And it was great. We have like 25 more dates, this tour, one of them being out there in Chicago at old yeah, town. Looking forward to that one. So yes. And so, yeah, like, so it's not just a one-off, like this is a project that I would love to see, um, see, keep, keep breathing and keep um, evolving and um, the people and the musicians involved in it are just beautiful humans. And that is where it's at. You know, it that's where it's at. I trust them. They wear their hearts on their sleeves and they are just, they're just, supreme. they're supreme. They're, they're the, cream of the crop. Like, you know, they really are. They're the cream of the crop and that's where it's at. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Fabulous, fabulous. Uh, you can see Winifred Haran and Reverie Road in Chicago on February 8th at the Myron Zold Music and Dance Hall at the Old Town School of Folk Music. Have you been there, by the way? Have you? Oh, yeah. I played at the Old Town School great, um, great many, many, many times before yeah. with Solace. This will be the first time that Reverie Road plays there. I'm not okay. sure I've played in this particular room, yeah. but Old Town School is great. So I trust that wherever we're playing there, it's going to be a great night. And I can't wait to see all of our Chicago fans and friends on that night. It's going to be a really special night, especially for Katie and John, because John, it's John's hometown. It's Katie's hometown now, too, because they're living out there. And it's just going to be a really beautiful evening. I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, it was it was it was brilliant having you on it, by the way. Uh, the uh, the Old Town School of Folk Music is at 4545 North Lincoln Avenue. The websites are reverieroadmusic.com and winharan.com. I'll also post uh, to the Old Town School of Folk Music in the notes below. Please bear with me if you wouldn't mind uh, so we can say a proper uh, thank you and, and so long. Uh, let me just take care of this very quickly. I'd like to thank uh, Winifred and thanks to all of you who listened. Uh, a link to Winifred Haran and Reverie Road and the Old Town School of Folk Music, as I said, are in the notes below. If you enjoy this program, 
please subscribe for notifications on future guests and programs and for updates on my upcoming first book in the Accidental Time Travel Trilogy, The Assassination of Baby Hitler, A Romance for Nerds from Renegade Press, LLC. Winifred, thank you. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. Uh, You're so very welcome. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. It was wonderful speaking with you. We're going to leave you today uh, with Land's End off of Gap of Dreams from Reverie Road.